Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Welcome, everyone, to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. My name is Ben Smith. I'm joined uh, with my two co-hosts, Abby Duty and Curtis Wister, the U-Haul and Penske to my Mayflower. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. How are you, Ben? I'm good. I'm good. Well, we we've uh, we've done a one or two episodes at this point, so we're kind of keep rolling down the tracks here with our show. And and one of the things that we've been talking about more is is getting the aging process and and kind of what are some things and barriers that we're encountering as we're aging. And one thing that kind of spurred us, we've been talking about sometime amongst our team, and that's been coming up with our our clients, um, is actually highlighted by a September 8th, 2020 CNBC article that was titled, Here's What You Need to Know About Moving in Retirement by Jill Cornfield. 64% of retirees say they're likely to move at least once during retirement. And downsizing, such as moving to a smaller, more manageable property in the same area, is the most typical move that people make. And it makes sense from several perspectives, right? It's most likely to be in line with lifestyle goals and your life isn't uprooted. But what's the barrier for us to accomplish this? It's usually our stuff. So if we're downsizing, we probably need to cut back on the things we have. But how do we choose which of our things will fit our new home and which won't? But maybe you're not just downsizing to a new home, but maybe you're, you're an empty nester with a house full of stuff that represents memories, your loved ones and things you just can't get rid of because they'll mean something to you. Or perhaps you're now in retirement enjoying all the things you always wanted to do, but the one thing you don't want to do is declutter your things. Or perhaps you're aging a place in your current home, and your home just needs to be rearranged so you can safely live in it. Or maybe you're helping a relative or recently a relative has passed away, and you, you have the big job of going through their things, but you don't know where to begin. Well, these are common conversations that we've been having with our clients, and it really represents a barrier, right? And, and also a common stressor to our relationships in our lives about us moving to the next stage of our own lives. So we want to have someone on our show to discuss this. So we went to our search started for this topic. We went to the National Association of Senior and Specialty Move Managers. The acronym is NASMM. And that so we went to that website and looked up any members in Maine. And that's how we found our next guest in her business, Simply Size Home. So our next guest, along with her sister, with aging parents of their own and an attic full of long-forgotten treasures, soon came to understand how emotional, overwhelming the task of cleaning out a house can be. Every item had a story. Every possession evoked a memory. As they sat amongst a pile of books, Legos, and their beloved Barbie dolls, they knew there had to be an easier way, and Simply Sized Home was created. Today's guest has a retail marketing and project management background. She loves her business, Simply Size Home, because she realized the value uh, the company brings to families who face the emotional task of downsizing and moving. For her, it is the perfect blend of working with wonderful clients through the logistical deadline-driven process of moving. When not working, she spends time with her two kiddos, husband, family, and friends. Her favorite places to spend time are Panther Pond and Bayside. So at this point, I'd love to welcome Kim Dorsky to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Kim, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Well, obviously, there's lots to, and I forgive the pun, to unpack here today. <laughs> so 
We want to obviously go through a lot of different questions that our clients are facing when they're talking about downsizing and right-sizing our stuff as we age. But with all of our shows, we always like to get into you a little bit, right? Is like, why do you have a passion for this? And kind of what was, what was the kind of the, the spur of, of, the, of the business? But I'd love to get a little bit more of your background here and in your biography, including your path towards working co-owning Simply Size Home. So what, what's your origin story here? I actually work for um, a family, our family's company, um, and it made uh, souvenirs through, that are sold throughout the United States. My father and uncle owned the company, and my sister actually worked there, so I was well aware of working with my sister. And when it came time for my father and uncle to sell, my cousins actually bought the company, and Liz and I went on our way and decided to start a new company. When developing those products at Souvenirs, it was a product management-driven business, and I loved that. I loved managing all the different parts of the project, but I was looking for something more meaningful, something that involved people, and we also were focused on working with seniors. Mm. So we looked at uh, starting a a non-medical business for caring for seniors, doing errands, and part of it was going to be downsizing. And when our parents were getting older, my sister Liz and I, we were helping our parents. And up in the attic, mom had said probably 10 times, can you come over and clean out your stuff in our attic? And finally, I said, Liz, we better go. So Liz and I went over and we sat there and we laughed and we read all the letters and we came downstairs. We were there for a few hours and mom said, is it all gone? And I said, nope. And she said, what are you going to do with it? I said, take it to our house. (laughs) And she said, wait a second. I said, mom, this is too difficult. It's all important to us and we'll just take it to our house, but we'll get it out of yours. And so we literally realized that it was very difficult Um, for people to part with their things and so all of a sudden the light bulb went off from making stuff to helping people part with stuff and so it was adding the human element of working with clients that are trying to go through this and all the moving parts uh, that are so overwhelming to folks to help them actually get through this process and onto a simpler lifestyle in their retirement years. So that is how we started the business. It was pointed at working with seniors. Um, It's grown a little bit from that to include anyone who is looking at moving. But the process is the same, to help folks uh, troubleshoot what they need to do to get through this process. Interesting. So Kim, from kind of Again, discovering here's this aha moment, working with with mom and trying to figure out how to declutter her attic of your things. How did you discover that it really is a large need just more in in your area? And how people found out about you once you kind of said, hey, this is this is our our niche. This is our market. This is where we what we do well. How how is Mm -hmm. kind of that kind of that word spread? That's interesting. It was a new concept, literally a new concept in Maine. And everyone said, I think you're on to something. But people literally could not believe that there were people that did this because it seems like such not dirty work, but who likes to move, honestly. Mm. And then you look at a house 
that's full of uh, 50 years worth of accumulation. What do you do with all of this stuff? And that soon, as people started to learn about it, they learned about it. Number one, our number one referrals are our clients that we've worked with. Mm -hmm. We hear from people um, almost like a three-prong approach now that they heard about us from so-and-so and and then they heard about us from a broker and then um, someone else had mentioned. So it's starting to catch on, but it's out of state. People through NASM and other organizations, they are well more well aware of this this service offered to people. It, we paved the way in Maine, and it has grown and grown, and now we're in our 10th year. But it's still, people think, really? Is there someone that really does this? And yes, there is. And <laughs> <laughs> it all came from our perspective, and I know, um, well, obviously, we've been conversing leading up to this episode, and we we had a situation with a client that is – you know, she, she was aging at home and, and she lives in, in an area that you serve, but, you know, her kids lived out of state and she moved to be with them, but they still had this property and they still have all that stuff from her whole lifetime. And it represents a lot to the family together, but the son's conversing with us that, geez, I, I, I'm moving, I'm coming up. I only have two weeks. I'm going to be here, but I have to clean out mom's stuff. And I have to do this and do that. And I got all of these things I have to do in two weeks. And I'm really overwhelmed by the fact of going to this house and I have to be really expedient with my time, but I, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And I said, well, geez, uh, this is kind of a very natural thing. Like, well, Hey, here's a service. If you're interested, uh, you know, simply size home. I've, I've really talked, I've talked to Kim Dorsky a few times. Here's what they, so afterwards he goes, man, I've looked at the website. This is exactly what I'd be looking for. I didn't know this existed. So again, we even experienced that ourselves with our clients when we reference that is, wow, I, I, I never knew this service existed. I can't believe it does. And wow, I could really see myself using it has kind of been the, the kind of the, the build up to it. But I, I want to ask you, Kim, about obviously you've been doing this more than one minute here. You've been doing it for 10 years, as you said. I'm sure you've discovered, because again, being the trailblazer, especially in Maine, I'm sure you've discovered there's needs of Mainers in right-sizing their homes. What have you found out about things that that maybe, you know, what you thought your service was going to be, and you've been adjusting to the needs of, of Mainers or or people in your in your region that you service? What, what have you found out there over the last 10 years? Well, it started out literally sorting through their stuff and trying to figure out everyone wants their things to be have a life beyond being with them. So it, it was very interesting for us that that was their primary focus. I don't just want it to go into the dumpster. So figuring out where things could be sold, that was a a real primary focus of ours, where it can be sold, where it can be donated, where, how can I get it to my kids? If one wants um, a huge grandfather clock to go to uh, Washington state. So solving all of these things was important. It started out with that focus, but then it soon transitioned into the moving management piece which is putting the house on the market, focusing on what is to be packed or pre-packed to go with them. That's all part of the process in uh, in conjunction with the selling of their things. 
So the need really in Maine is to get the job done, but to do it, everything in this, in our business is listening to people's goals, figuring out what they really want. Everyone has a different path that they're taking, a unique situation that we're solving, but they all, everyone wants their things to uh, be appreciated and go beyond instead of just going into a dumpster. So um, that's one of the value added things that we do by thoughtfully disposing, meaning selling, uh, sending things to their kids, donating to appropriate causes that uh, even a client has custom picked because they're involved with an organization. So um, I don't know if that answers it, but it, that's it, what yeah, we have yeah. discovered. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to ask kind of Kim kind of getting into kind of the process, right? Is, is an, I think where we really want to go today a lot. And, and again, for any of our topics, one of the things we want to do is just kind of always start with foundations. And I, I think we're just defining this term because as we said, you're really kind of a trailblazer in Maine here. I just want to separate, maybe there's a service that people are more familiar with than, than yours is kind of this idea of, you being really a move manager in, and being that as a service versus being a moving company. Because I think a lot of people might might be, as I kind of ref, we reference like Mayflowers and things like that, which are more like moving companies, right? They show up and, you know, they pack it and, and send it to wherever it's got to go. What, what we're kind of saying, I, I just want to ask you on... Like, how do you how do you differentiate it when you get asked that question? Because I think on the surface, if someone's not um, not thinking about this, I think they might think that it's really just the same thing. So how how do you define the difference between the two? In one word, uh, relationship. We come into people's lives. It all starts with a consultation. So we go to meet with someone. It's usually an hour, an hour and a half, something like that. We're learning all about them and their possessions. We do a quick walkthrough of the house. We're telling them about our services. We're seeing what resonates with them, what they might need. We literally see, as we explain our different services with the uh, helping to sell items, shipping to their kids long distance, helping their, them stage their house or putting it on the market, the packing, we hire movers. We do not pick up the furniture. They start to understand that we're the ones that can solve everything, every anxiety that's on their plate. And that it, it's our, the relationship with us that is a huge difference. So we hire the movers, okay? The movers come in. We oversee the movers and move day and can follow them to their new home. But we are, movers come in and go out and they're there for maybe six hours. We are there day in, day out, depending on how much of our services they would like to engage us for. And we are the ones that are uh, taking the anxiety off of their plate and putting it onto ours and solving every issue that comes up, whether it has to do with disconnecting utilities, what are they going to do with the drums of the hazardous waste that are in the back of their yard? How are they going to uh, solve a paint problem on the ceiling? Should they uh, take up carpet um, where a cat has you know, been or whatever it is, we're the ones that are saying, okay, we're guiding you on this. We can line this up. We're troubleshooting their every question and trying to solve it for them. That's the difference. <laughs> okay. 
Interesting. Clear. So kind of switching gears a little bit, um, in episode 23 of our podcast, we talked about the concept of solo aging with Sarah Zeff Gebber. And so many older adults have no surviving children or those children are older themselves, right? Um, so how do move managers help with the process of right-sizing our stuff as we age, especially directly with older adults? So older adults, if you're talking about the parents and they're trying to break apart their home, and number one, sometimes their kids are out of state, we're acting as the surrogate kids, basically, which again is the relationship part of our business. Oftentimes, the, the, we call it the elder children, they have things of their own. They're not here. They have things of their own. They um, would love to help mom and dad, but they have busy lives. So we step in. We help the parents physically and with making decisions. We also fold in the kids, which is great through communication these days with texting photos and emailing. And we can set up whole files of things that furniture that's available that the parents will, their parents will not be taking with them so that they can choose what they would like to keep. And then we figure out how to get it to them. So that is how we weave them in. At first, people think, who is, it was actually, I just did a move at the beginning of the week. And the kids, the woman had three children. They didn't know me from anyone. Why should they trust me? Who is this person that's working with mom? And to talk with them and offer them my cell number when their mother was going to be without her service for three days, I became the person that is sending the photos, communicating with them at night. How did it go? What are mom's anxieties? I went through everything with them and updating them. Yesterday, the move was complete, sent the kids pictures. They were so relieved. There, I took a picture of myself with their mother and sent it to them. It just make, made them feel part of it to see a huge smile on their mother's face. So weaving them in is so important to gain yeah. their trust. And That's great. Um, and so you kind of touched on this a little bit, but what psychological barriers do you encounter kind of when stepping into this role as a move manager? Psychological ba- barriers with both the kids and with the yeah. folks we are working with. Right. The psychological barriers are my parents actually just moved and downsized. So I am firsthand experience of it's stressful on us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The kids moving from a family home of 50 years, stressful on my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents were of sound health, but sometimes there are medical episodes that have happened that are causing a move to happen. So you've got those barriers, but then you have the emotional ones. People are moving on to sometimes what they consider their last move. And and that is hard psychologically for them. It's the accepting or non-acceptance of this may be their last stop of wherever they're going. The last car that they're buying, the things that they're being asked to part with, they can't take it all with them. So those are most of the barriers. But as I say to them that it's not going to necessarily be easy, but we will get through it. And for the most part, we do have a lot of fun from the relationship standpoint, and they do get through it. So most of them are so logical. They know it needs to be done. It doesn't make it any easier, though. So, but uh, Kim, quick follow up on that, though. So 
I, I guess my question is, where do you see, see people get stuck, right? Because just for in my own life, where I, I've seen it with my wife's grandparents, mm -hmm. is that there was this whole, like, we got to move to the next, like, we're ready for assisted living. Right now, we're still in our own home. But, you know, this whole dealing with stuff is kind of the the barrier to kind of going to the assisted living because, you know, I, I can't bear to let go of that thing and this thing and that thing, but it won't fit, right? It won't fit into the new place and that downsizing. And, and because, uh, you know, hard conversations were not being addressed, I think with some of it and, and it, which I, again, I, I don't put any blame on anybody there. That's a really hard conversation to have, but sometimes that not being able to kind of address these, the what happens to certain things and where things should go leads to delaying of maybe advancing of, of maybe safer places or safer locations. Have you seen some of that too, in terms of you know, uh, kind of what you're seeing for those kind of barriers to moving on to next stages there? We see them all the time, um, yeah, but I it bet. doesn't, it doesn't mean that people don't come around. People are, they're realistic of their new, space generally and if they're not there are solutions and when i say what the solution is you're going to say aha that's why they're so popular storage units i mean it's you know one of the biggest businesses out there now and it's primarily because people can't part with their stuff mm. it is not our job to tell people they can't have their stuff that is absolutely and i will tell the elder children that thinks that everything's just going to disappear. And, you know, my mother is, or my parents have a lot of stuff and they want to take it all with them. I'll say to them, it's not my job to say they can't have their stuff. I will talk logically with them. And in jest, that's where kind of the humor comes in, the relationship part, where you say, honestly, <laughs> do you really need 21 spatulas? And we laugh about it. And we start to pare things down. But if people really don't want to get rid of their things, then they're, it, they are looking at external storage units. And I talk to them about the cost of that. I talk to them about time frames of keeping things. But usually, if I can tell them that it's going to, you know, a, a shelter in, in their town that needs things, and there are so many people that can use the different things that you love, first, they can... The first layer is selling them. Mm -hmm. So if the folks themselves don't want them, then they can go on to, if their children want them, there are whole layers. But if the people themselves don't want to get rid of them, then it, it it's hard, but it, things need to go into storage and mm. dealt with later. Yeah. We gotcha. will not okay. take them out of their hands. <laughs> okay. So Kim, I, I have kind of a general question for you, I guess. So I just want to talk about uh, kind of cost here. So generally speaking, how much does using a service, a move management service generally cost? And kind of furthermore, how is that cost kind of made up? Do you sit down and kind of encompass a big quote just based on what you're working with or what you think you're working with? Or do you, is there hourly components? I know you talked about mm -hmm. hiring movers, kind of all of that. How does all of that kind of work? So um, we at our company, we're hourly. Okay. Um, and we have uh, a non-conflict policy, meaning that we take no portion of any proceeds from anything that is sold or any services that we use. Mm -hmm. We decided that a long time ago. We do not want to be swayed by any sort of kickback or any sort of compensation. If people want to 
get rid of their things, then we will find the best outlet for those things to be sold in. High-end antiques, there's a particular order that you need to go in with all different layers of what they're getting rid of. It's super important that we go in the order, starting with the people, and the, the folks themselves and their family, then dropping down. If they have very fine antiques, we need to get them into the front of the right audience then down to a mid-level. So there's a no-conflict policy. Um, there are outside costs, um, which are supplies that we use for packing, mm -hmm. cleaners that we have in, if we're processing hazardous waste, if, we, uh, we're, if we're hiring the movers themselves. All of these things are outside costs, and we're strictly labor. Gotcha. To prepare an estimate, when I go for, or someone in my com our company goes to a consultation, we're sizing up immediately. In a quick hour, when we do a walkthrough of the house, we can tell if we know the scope of which they're using our services, we can do an estimate. Mm -hmm. We know whether there's a lot of trash on the premises. We know whether, you know, the garage was an auto body shop and I have hazard, tons of hazardous waste. Yeah. Whatever it is, we're able to come up with, okay, I think that we're going to need the following. And we'll ask, you know, whether they need cleaners for, you know, putting the house on the market or whatever. But we break it all down, provided we know exactly what they're going to use our services for. Sure. They can start with one day and see how it goes, or they can say... <laughs> You're on <laughs> full boat. You're doing everything. Gotcha. Well, can that, and I think it's really helpful because I, I think just to know kind of what are we getting in for here and, and just to obviously get an estimate from you and kind of, well, here's what we see. And especially where I could see where, you know, there, maybe there's a, there's a family member that's passed away and the next generation has to come in and they're trying to figure out all this. And, and they just look at this and go, this is way too much work for me to handle myself to have a service and then be able to figure out the cost of what, what does this entail? It, it, that's really helpful. I, I want to ask another question though, to you, Kim is, it's not just the process of removing things from our homes, but also about there, obviously there's a lot of things in homes that have financial value. Right. And you kind of reference this a little bit of, Hey, um, you know, that, that things have value and it's not just kind of looking at this from a, you know, we're just going to dispose of everything or we're going to put it into storage. And, but there, there might be as it's being handed down from one generation to another here of, you know, Hey, we all just kind of decided that the best thing to do is get some value out of it. I, and to kind of uh, use myself as an example here, my, my parents inherited from my grandfather an antique collection and and when they when they got split up amongst my my mother and her two sisters it was you know they they basically they sold a little bit they basically inherited the whole thing which to to me and my wife would look at this and go hey we see the tidal wave of antiques and we saw it just hit that house and we can kind of see the tidal wave coming to us here at some point <laughs> right mm -hmm. is look at this and going i'm not sure that we want the tidal wave to hit our house that way <laughs> and so i could see where that could be a, a conversation at some point of hey what do we do with all these things we know they have value we but we're not experts in these antiques right we don't this isn't our thing we don't know what to do so i guess my question here is how do you go through the process of helping sorting out what has value 
what what do you sell consign or donate and but also how do you agree on what's an appropriate price because again i don't know what i'm looking at here and and i want to make but if i'm going to inherit that it's like well i can either inherit the good or i can inherit the value of that good that i'm inheriting mm-hmm. so i guess want to know how do you kind of go through that process and figure that out because again I'm, I'm being selfish here I, I can see kind of myself going through this and fast forward another another maybe decade or two Okay, so that, first of all, we do not assign any value to anything. We identify uh, the different levels. Right when we do the consultation, I can assess whether what level, let's just say we're talking about antiques, because those are more difficult than things that go to consignment. So antiques um, have clearly different levels. And it comes, I guess, just from working in the business, you know what are super valuable antiques and those that are just kind of middle of the road. The ones that are stumpers are sometimes small collectibles. Mm. And I don't necessarily mean Hummels. It's it's very funny. In this business, antiques have changed tremendously just over the past 10, even 10 years, where I think that folks are really educated now when you hear big brown furniture, um, that it's not desirable. It's a hard sell mm-hmm. for the folks that are still in the business, antique dealers, auction houses. It's a hard sell. When I'm looking at stuff, I know when it's exceptional. When things are exceptional, you're bringing in a level antique dealer that can represent, has the proper audience to sell to a high level, meaning the audience is willing to bid sometimes in the tens, hundreds, thousands of dollars. Most things fall into a mid-level. And so we'll educate people when we are with them. I think that the key is, is educating our client of expectations. We do not candy coat things, nor do the folks that we have in. So when I will often say to one of our auction houses that comes in, this client is very interested in information about these things. Talk to them about past sales. Talk to them about what they're likely to realize in in this piece. Because people are thinking of a different mindset. This was my grandmother's china. She didn't use it. We've saved it. And the reality may be that that antique or auction house may not even take it in. So um, it's talking to folks about this. So when we're sorting a house, we're literally sorting beautiful antiques from hammers, from artwork, from just everything. And we're setting it aside and staging what an antique dealer should come in and look at. We're taking away the clear donations. We're leaving for review the things that should be seen and judged upon by antique dealers. Let's talk about consignment for just a few minutes. Consignment mm-hmm. is totally separate. I think what I'm talking about, consignment can be separated into two things. There are antique shops that will sell consignment that still falls into the antique furniture or collectibles category. Consignment of furniture that's more modern, that goes into a consignment shop. And generally, they're taking in more modern things, you know, more modern couches, things that are not antique, a more modern table, a glass table, more just as I described it, it's a more modern piece. 
it has to, and the distinction is, is that that it's again, putting it in the right setting. A consignment shop, people walking into a consignment shop expect to see that. They don't expect to see grandma's antiques in the China. So it's separating and putting in front of the audience that needs to see it. Auction houses and antiques need to go one place. More modern things need to go another. And that's how they're going to be sold to get the most money for the family or the individuals. Gotcha. So quick follow-up there, Kim, in terms of, obviously, you just described really well the the process of kind of separating out the buckets, right? Is the mm-hmm. high levels, mid levels, and maybe the more common levels there of, of our things. But obviously, once you've kind of staged it and there's agreement from, you know, yourself and the client there of, of what to do with it, how do you really communicate to your clients to keep them in a loop of, of what's happening with their goods? And and so I'm thinking about, as you said, you got three different levels and there might be different timeframes to sell mm-hmm. those things mm-hmm. or to maybe get as much value as you can out of them. How do you kind of keep people in the loop? Because I could see where, you know, there's things that might have to happen from a certain timeline of, hey, this house is on the market and where it's going to sell. And right now, obviously, we're summer 2021 here and houses are selling very quickly but maybe the time frame of of selling some of our other assets might not move on that same time frame. So mm-hmm. how do you keep people in loop here of where they are in that process and how long things take to to work through? So when selling uh, through an auction house, all of these things are direct uh, contracts with the client. So it is set up to be a check be sent directly to the client. So that we step out of that because we take no portion of any proceeds. When an auction house comes to the house, they write up an inventory of what they're taking. And then it usually is a pretty quick turnaround for an auction house. So the client will know that it's going to be in the um, July 30th sale. And so they are issued a check within two weeks after that. It's pretty quick. If things go to consignment, then the client is actually sent an email or if the client doesn't use email, it can go through us. We have a roster what is sold and I can go online and look at any time their roster to see what has been sold. Again, the client can follow that. They'll be given a password. They can contact the owner of the consignment shops and and have a check sent to them at any time. So they feel like they're in control. We don't, we rarely have any questions. So it's more of a direct relationship with them unless it needs to go through our email because they don't communicate by email or, yeah, so. Gotcha. Um, So we touched on this in the open, but a lot of our clients are going to smaller houses, condos, assisted living, um, and this might involve selling their home that they're in right now, right? So Mm -hmm. how do you help with the selling process especially in a market like Ben alluded to where things are selling in just a matter of days in a lot of cases? So um, that is a good question. This morning, (laughs) I uh, went and quickly staged the house. Um, (laughs) And staging, it's a tough one for folks that are older, even like my parents that just moved. Staging is a kind of a scary word because you feel like you're losing control. People might come in and, you know, for my mother, they, and we suggested it too, mom, we really should strip the wallpaper and to, to maximize the value of someone showing their property. We will make suggestions for things like that. 
but basically it's a person's decision. We are trained on what one suggests and what is actually going to be done are two totally different things. So I stage, basically the basic staging thing is to try and depersonalize the house. Okay. So, and, and less is more. So taking things down that distract buyers going in. And when we explain that to folks, they understand it, they get it. I, we want to take, we want to show the attributes of a house. And when I explain that, why we want to take something down to have them focus on um, either an architectural element of the house or um, have them look out the windows to the beautiful backyard and gardens or the water instead of all their family photos in front. People understand. Mm -hmm. And they also, one thing that resonates with them is that if they're keeping the things, and we do have to go through that process of deciding, do you want to keep these things or do you want to part with them? But they understand that the things that they're keeping are only going away for a little bit of time and they will all come out again. Mm -hmm. So it, it uh, seems to help when we say that we're prepacking. So if they're keeping it, we're getting them one step closer. Um, so the prepacking is um, an important uh, term and they understand. And also afterwards, it's kind of funny how many people just say, God, I like it so much. We, I should probably stay. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's interesting you know I wish someone would do it with my house for so many years people just walk by their things in their house and they don't notice because it's always been there and and everything comes into a house and nothing goes it's kind of interesting and you make room for every special photo that someone gave you because it's meaningful to you but you also want them to see that you have it so, um, but then when you start to eliminate things, number one, people think it looks better, but they also can't remember what was actually there. Um, so it, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. So, yeah. I really like that, Kim. And I, I want to keep going on this conversation, but I want to kind of look at the opposite side or the other end of this, and that's the move-in process. So what, I guess, how can you help someone with the move-in process? You know, you just discussed how you help them sell their house but obviously they're going somewhere. So can you just kind of talk about that kind of move in process and how you can help? Absolutely. I'm going to back up one second on that because one thing that I think is key is um, we take a, a photos of people's furniture mm -hmm. that they, um, when they're moving into a new place. So the furniture that they select to go with them, we take the the pic a picture and I mm -hmm. actually print out an old picture, old fashioned picture, and it has dimensions on it. And we go over to their new place and place the furniture mm -hmm. with them. So number one, they're in the process. Um, they're making the decisions. We're obviously saying, um, I'm not so sure that that's going to fit in guiding them. But then it also highlights if they have too much or it might highlight opportunities where they can bring another favorite piece. So it starts really there. And then it's targeted. Then the move happens with the movers. The movers go in and all the pictures are around so they can see where they are. And then the hustling on of our team begins. I just did one yesterday. The movers leave and we literally jump into high gear. The client is sometimes there and sometimes they're not there. If they are there, we usually exhaust them, not by them physically necessarily helping, but by them watching us. 
where we're putting everything away in the kitchen, we're thinking logically, we're putting all the clothes away. We are shifting the bed over six inches and balancing the room. And we're executing everything that they we have talked through mm -hmm. in our placement of things. And we're bringing it all together for them in a very short time. So when the, they walk in, like our client did yesterday, she literally couldn't believe it. Yeah. She was so worried that number th number one, things wouldn't fit. Mm. But then to walk in with the lights on and the bed made and all of her clothes organized and, and, and hung up almost to a T. It's funny. It's like people say... I just don't even want to come in and mess things up Yeah, <laughs> because it, everything is just in its place with the family photos up and arranged. Obviously not everything, the artwork and heavy things were not hung, but that part they like, we like to have them help with us. So the couch, we want to make sure that the furniture is in the right place before we start hanging the artwork. Mm. Um, that's pretty important. So, and the decor, that's what makes a, a house feel like their home. We've decided what is going with them um, through the process. And now it's how do they want to have it all come together to make it feel like home? We have taken pictures of, let's say they have a hutch or a corner cupboard, or even um, I had a huge wall of family photos to take, we take pictures of it so that it can be recreated. We feel like people have made their home, their their home that we're moving out of, they've spent years figuring out what goes with what mm. and putting things together. And we do our best to recreate that. Mm. We want it. I always say um, that we, we try and have them think of it as the new home is almost like an extension or a wing of their home that they haven't been in. It looks like their home exactly, but it's almost like a dream, like how I know it's all my stuff and it's all kind of the same, but it's all arranged in a different space and it looks like home, but it feels, you know, I know the walls are different. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I mean, that is really what our goal is. And, and that's what we do in the resettling process. So yeah. that I'll say, first off, that all sounds amazing. Um, basically you're doing the hard stuff <laughs> for them and, and that's awesome. I do have a quick follow-up and that's to what point does location come into play here, right? So if I'm moving, say I'm moving, I hire you and I'm in Bangor and I'm moving to Florida. I okay. can't imagine, I mean, you might be, maybe you, you will travel and build that into the price, but is that something where, you know, you find people similar to yourself and that's considered an outside cost at that point? Can you just kind of go down that road for a minute? So we have worked in close proximity, meaning um, New York. Mm -hmm. We've run jobs out of completely out of state coming into Maine or people going out and we'll follow them. But when it gets a little bit too far away, mm -hmm. then I do, I do turn to NASA and uh, look up on their website and look at the services, but I scrutinize them. I know our client, right? I know what they need. And so I'll, I'll, I'll find someone and I will call and see, do you do this sort of thing? Because Here's the thing with this client. And so that because I want them well taken care of, their needs meet, need to be met to the level of which we have handed them, that we're handing them off to someone. Mm -hmm. And I just hope that they're as well taken care of, sure. I guess. But that's how we rely on someone helping out of state. Gotcha. By gotcha. kind of interviewing mm -hmm. someone that's kind of like us. Gotcha. 
So Kim, I want to want to ask on on another perspective here. So obviously if someone's, you know, downsizing over time as we're going through the aging process, so we, we get that. But what about we have enough situations uh, obviously we're working with people's financial accounts, right? Is at some point there's kind of this there's uh, the handing of the baton uh from as uh, maybe someone's aging, they're uh, diminishing mental capacity, or they're not able to do certain things. So they they have a financial power of attorney, uh, or their children or relatives are stepping into a role for mm-hmm. them, right? Uh, especially mm-hmm. later in retirement. So can you talk a little bit about that process where, you know, you're you're engaging with maybe that next generation or the person that's speaking on behalf of the person that we're mm-hmm. we're downsizing for, but. Again, how do you, I guess my my tricky part here of this is how do you build harmony in that relationship where, you know, there might be, there might be different goals. There might be kind of different mm-hmm. attitudes towards things um, as, um, as kind of things are being engaged or they're working with them. But you also want to accomplish helping with the downsize, but also kind of getting them in harmony as well. Can you talk about what, what you've encountered there? Well, that it can be tough. We, it all depends whether the client is able to make decisions for themselves. Sometimes it's hard for us if you're speaking to two different people that are have completely different opinions. Mm-hmm. For example, an elder child may think that mom needs X, Y, and Z, and <laughs> she's thinking the complete opposite. So we need to blend those and we need to blend them carefully. Again, talking it through with the elder child that it seems as though your parents or your mom or your dad wants X, Y, and Z. How, what are your thoughts on that? Because I hear you saying something completely different. So generally it all works. It does work out. We are navigating a fine line. I have had to say to folks sometimes that I don't work for the elder child. I work for your, your mom and I, and your mother is my primary focus. So, and and then again, if someone's not able to make decisions, I'm working with someone trusted and I have to assume that they have someone's best interest at heart and that they're making sound decisions for that person. But if I think that they're really not, I am going to go up again and say, this is why I don't think, or, you Mm -hmm. know, we really have some concerns about, let's just say, um, tripping hazards. Okay. Someone may want way too much stuff to go. And, and maybe it's because the elder child doesn't want to let go of things, doesn't want it to be sold, wants it to stay with her. And it's too crowded. And I, we will have to step in and say, it's too much. It's too Mm -hmm. much. We're going to need to figure out either a storage facility um, within the, the retirement community, we we can't have all this stuff. So we are our focus is our client and making them feel happy and secure in their new place, safe in their new place, and we're weaving in whoever we might be taking directives from. Interesting. Um, so just continuing kind of that line of thinking, oftentimes I'm sure kids or relatives may not be in the same state um, to physically assist with some of this. Um, so how can relatives be engaged in the process if they can't physically be there to be a part of it? Well, again, technology is awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, we do FaceTiming with kids out of state, we can show a whole, you know, the whole house. 
we can say, are these the teacups you're talking about or whatever it is um, mm -hmm. and talk through. We can have sorting sessions with the kids to be part of it. We can do the furniture placement. I take videos and send them to family members. This is your mom's new place. Your dad's, uh, you know, this is his new office setup. Whatever it is to fold them in. A lot of times it has to do with things that are being gotten rid of, honestly. Mm -hmm. Once they know that someone is taking care of their parent and listening to their needs in a new space and that we're going to handle that part, it comes down to what's happening to the stuff and, um, and how do we manage that. And we fold them in because, again, we don't honestly care what someone keeps or gets rid of whether we're sending it across the country to family members, we always want family to keep as much as they want and we'll solve how to get it to them, long distance ship, whatever we need to do. Um, so it, it's generally with the kids, what about the stuff? And then when we go through layers of that and spreadsheets and sending out pictures, and we've even done documents with a, a um, program called Fair Split, where you upload pictures and family are able to see all the different items and choose. So um, we navigate it and, uh, you know, with the parents, they, they have certain things that they promised the kids or wanted, but it's mostly about the stuff. Um, and uh, technology is awesome <laughs> that way. I mean, <laughs> That's great. Um, so Kim, to this point, you know, we've had a really great conversation about the process, um, some barriers, uh, really the how when we go into this downsizing uh, move management service. Um, I want to kind of flip, uh, kind of look at it from a different perspective and kind of hear your advice on uh, the when. So I'd love to hear you just kind of talk about what advice you would give people as to when they should start thinking about um, kind of mm -hmm. downsizing? My biggest advice is to do it proactively because when it's hard enough, mm. <laughs> but it's really difficult if there has been some sort of um, episode that is prompting an immediate need to do this. Emotions are running high as it is. And then you add in the layer of stress for moving and making decisions on every single darn thing that you have collected in your life. Mm -hmm. Start chipping away at it. Take the attic, take the basement, take the garage, take any closet and just start doing it. And if, you, if you've given yourself some time, then you do have time to revisit and talk through the memories mm. of all these different things you've decided to keep and thoughtfully saying to your kids, you know, I have all your camp letters or I have all your yearbooks. Do you want them? Instead of it all of a sudden becoming like a terribly stressful experience, you can chip away at it when your kids come for a holiday and they're all there, you can say, we have this all arranged for you. We have gone into homes and sorted an entire attic or wherever they want to proactively start. And I'll assess it. I'll go in and say, well, it seems as though, you know, the attic has the storage of a lifetime. Let's sort it, separate it by your four children. When they come for Thanksgiving, they can go up there, they can sit down, they're going to have a lot of fun. They're probably not going to get rid of anything, but at least you have, it, it becomes theirs to make the decision. They can take it with them. Um, so it's all proactive. It's all positive. And uh, 
that's the, the most important thing that I can say is to be proactive. Yeah, we have had very difficult situations um, where uh, someone has fallen down, broken a hip, and th and they have to move. Situation where the it was a huge snowstorm. The movers actually called and said they couldn't come, mm. and I said to them they had to come. <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, it, it's that sort of level of stress yeah. that they have to be out of the house. They're coming home from rehab. They can't go home to their house. That is a terrible situation to be in. So if you can bite the bullet and then the flip side of it is, and my parents are perfect examples saying that they should have done it a long time ago. Mm. It's allowed them to um, accomplish the goals that they talked about for years, but now they're living it where it is a simpler lifestyle. They are able to turnkey, leave, and do whatever they want. So, you know, it, people rarely have regrets, mm. I would say, yeah, I about love that. doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's great advice there. Um, so I we do have one final question for you, kind of a completely different question. Uh, so you joined us today on the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. A question that we love to ask all of our guests is what is your personal definition of retirement success? I would say that anyone is their success would be is if they're doing what they really want to do. If you outline what is it that you want to do? Do you want to travel? Do you want to have more time with your grandchildren? Whatever it is, figure out what's going to allow you to accomplish that. And don't wait too long because there are always reasons not to. But within your means, whatever that is, try and figure it out and do it. Um, because you never know when uh, something is going to happen and your retirement dreams are cut short. Sure. So do it proactively. Uh, start living your life instead of uh, thinking about it and, uh, you know, bogged down by mowing the lawn and <laughs> all the yeah. things that I should go do. Uh, <laughs> but um, that's what I, I mean, that that's what I think success is being happy um, yeah. with being able to live the way you want to live. And if that is mowing your lawn, then awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and raking the roof and <laughs> right right. So, right right plowing the driveway and cranking up the snowblower but if you can simplify your life go for it because there's a lot of living to do out there kim and in and what a great answer because i i know from the theme of the show that we've we've done here um multiple times uh I, I think one of the things that we've tried to say is like well let's try to unlock what that success is for you and try to visualize what it is but i will say i appreciate you coming on today because this is i think a really large hurdle and barrier for people of hey what do i do with my stuff right and and that might be hey my kids or my grandkids are out of town but i can never address what i'm going to do with my stuff and so because of that i can't spend time with the people i love the most in this world so all of those things of and maybe that's just one example but i think i think this is a really important conversation to have today i think this fits wonderfully in with our episode 
episodes that we have with this show because I, I, and I, and I think your service is well needed and I really appreciate your explanation of everything you do. Cause I can, I can see where you have a, a large stable of clients that are extremely happy with, with what you're doing for them on a daily basis. So thank you so much for coming on the retirement success and main podcast. I uh, really appreciate your time and, um, and thanks for, for everything you do. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. You too. I thought Kim Dorsky did a really good job today. Uh, again, talking about right sizing our stuff. I know sometimes downsizing is the, <laughs> the wrong term to use. Maybe it's upsizing. Who knows? But again, right sizing our stuff as we age is the is the episode today. And again, I think Kim, uh, with her business Simply Size Home, was uh, kind of a something I'd never heard of. Right? I, I I'd yeah. heard of um, kind of this moving companies, of course, and but moving mm. manager was something that I just had not had any kind of exposure to whatsoever. So kind of good to know that we have that service in Maine and and kind of where they fit and all that. But uh, I think we learned a lot from Kim and what her experiences have been and what she's seen over the years. But love to kind of get to all of our takes on on kind of what we learned from Kim today. So I'll start with Curtis and maybe have you bat lead off here of what uh, what you learned from from Kim's chat with us today. Yeah. Um, you know, I think a piece that really stuck out to me was in the conversation we had about barriers and overcoming barriers. Um, right. I think it's a natural thing that comes up, whether it's physical or psychological um, when you're going through this process. And I think a, a kind of example of almost conflict uh, resolution that she brought up was, you know, say, you know, the kids just want to come in and get everything done. They want to sell everything, move on. But, you know, mom and dad will will be heartbroken if they just see all their stuff sold right away. And, you know, Kim, I think she brought up using a something like a storage unit, right? It helps you kind of accomplish the goal in the near term of, of getting stuff out of the way so mom and dad can downsize or move. But you don't have to have that kind of hard kind of decision or encounter of selling everything right away. And, you know, if it's 10 years down the road and say mom and dad pass or whatnot, and then the kids can get back together and, and accomplish what they want to accomplish. But it's a it was a really good way to to, I guess, almost defer kind of difficult situations while still accomplishing the goal of of this this move. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And, and again, I know that's, um, you know, I re we reference this a lot with Amy K. Hutchins, but almost like, uh, you know, finding middle grounds. Right. And I right. think that's really important to, to do. And, and I think what Kim was offering there was kind of a nice little tidbit of, again, that, you know, some of us might not have thought of, hey, going, put it, paying money for a storage unit. How much money is that going to cost to do? Mm. Think about that. And maybe that is a very worthwhile thing to do there is to put certain valuables or certain meaningful items in a storage unit to kind of still get things done. So I thought, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that was a really good one there. Uh, Abby, from uh, from what you, you heard today, what was something that you took away from, from Kim's chat with us? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting when she talked about being proactive with kind of going through some of your stuff. I know from personal experience, it's a lot easier to do this before something emotionally big happens um, or something drastic happens and you're trying to get it done really quickly. Um, it's much better to start early and people can enjoy the experience a little more. And so I thought her advice was just really great that being as proactive as you can about this really generally will lead to a better outcome. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, and it's, I think it's tough too, from, um, you know, and as you said, Abby is the, the grieving process. So say when right. someone passes and having to do, do this, you know, that, that maybe represent more grieving of, Hey, exactly. you're bringing back all these memories up as you're going through your own grieving process of if you were the, say the, the child doing it for a parent, that might be a more difficult thing to do. And what do you take and what's mm. appropriate value, all of that. So again, being a little more objective wherever you can, I, I maybe leads to some better results. So I think you're absolutely yeah. right there. And and speaking of the financial end, I think that was something that um, I, I was interested. I thought it was interesting what she said about kind of sorting these into different piles, right? Is here's the high value, which might mean auction houses. Here's maybe the middle value where, you know, we can find maybe intermediaries or dealers or brokers, or here's the low value stuff. And maybe we can consign or maybe we can donate. So things like that, I thought was really helpful in that uh, also Kim already had that kind of of network already built right is yeah you know for us to go through and go look i don't know brokerage houses i don't know who to talk to and right. which ones are good and which ones aren't and you know where do you go for certain items I, I think that was that was an interesting kind of piece there of figure out how to sort figure out how to kind of put uh put value on it but again uh we all have our own emotional values on things outside of financial so someone that comes in as a third party and kind of figure out kind of what's what's uh, the financial realm, I think is is very helpful too. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to thank you all for listening to our show today. Um, we will have a little bit more links to uh, Kim and her business and um, in that uh, National Association of Senior and Specialty Move Managers, uh, NASMM. So we'll have that link there. We do understand we have enough listenership outside the state of the Maine that people might go, hey, um, you know, I'm in Arizona, I'm in Florida, I'm in, you know, know, Chicago, whatever, um, you know, you can check out their website and you can find that move manager that's maybe closer to you or vice versa. Maybe you're moving outside of the state of Maine and you need someone to help you uh, kind of for your destination when you get there. So um, I think that was a really great uh, reference there that uh, that uh, Kim was saying, even herself from the destination side or um, or the, the move away side that they can help uh, there too. So we'll have more resources there. If you go to blog.guidancepointllc.com and you go backslash 48, I can wear episode 48. So you can go to, uh, to our blog, go to that episode, and you can find some more resources there. Always appreciate your listenership. Uh, appreciate you tuning in today. Again, kind of a neat little uh, topic that um, you know we hadn't seen explored much in the marketplace. Uh, so hope- hopefully you found some utility out of it, and we'll catch you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisors' mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.